What is Cristiano Ronaldo like to mark? Waiting for you to just look away for one second. So he scored some goals against me where I've literally looked over my shoulder to see what other centre half is, and he's nipped off. He waits for those moments. Ball comes, bang, it's gone. He's Too off to the, to the corner flag, yeah. The next time you see him, he's in the <laughs> He's already off at the corner yeah. flag celebrating. I love you. Hello everybody, welcome to another Fozcast today. My shirt, like when I was wearing the Birmingham one a few weeks ago, is a bit of a giveaway of who we have got in on the pod today. Before we get into that, Tom, how are you my friend? Yes, I am good mate, all good. We had a, we had a good weekend didn't we because you were back in sticks. Yes, I was back in sticks. My first Premier League game in just over a year. Yeah. You came to the game, you enjoy it? Mate, it was class. It, it was, was class, class right? Like, do you know what? VAR's like, obviously, everyone's saying it's ruining the game and stuff. That's the first time I've been at a game. VAR was there, and although it slowed the game down, everyone was chanting VAR. Yeah. And it was actually a bit of a thing. And when the, like, the goal got confirmed, everyone went nuts. I could see, mate. We were on the pitch, right? And actually, somebody who played in that game is alongside me right now. I'm going to introduce him in one second, but I played in that game and I was watching you lot, the Watford fans in the away end and you were bouncing. You yep. were jumping up and down like People absolutely were rolling around on bat the shit crazy. People rolling around. You could see it, mate. Honestly, it was world class. And like you say, when that third goal went to VAR and everybody's like, yeah. hey, the goal was given. Belting, weren't it? Chanting VAR, everyone. Chanting VAR. Who would have thought it? Who would have thought it? Anyway, Let's bring, on, bring you on to today's guest. We have got my fellow Watford FC teammate, William Troost Ekong. William, I think I undersold that. I forgot to say Nigeria captain as well. <laughs> what a legend, Will. Welcome, mate. Ah, oh, thanks, lads. I'm really happy to be here today. This studio is unbelievable. It's lovely, isn't yeah. it? So, and what a game on the weekend, by the way, as well. You've just been to our office upstairs. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice. I'm just waiting to see my shirt on the wall. But besides that, it's unbelievable, mate. Um, it's talking of your shirts, I have actually got your shirt on today. Look at this, guys. One second. Look, 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 There we go. Love that. So William has bought this shirt in today and it's going to be the first ever giveaway on the Fozcast podcast. Love it. Yeah, Will, are you happy to sign this? All right. Yeah, of course, mate. I couldn't come empty-handed, could I? So uh, You're a superstar. Yeah. So what we'll do is, okay... At the end of the video, this he's going to sign it, obviously. One lucky person is going to win it. All you've got to do is get down in the comments down below, say something nice. Don't say anything bad. We don't do <laughs> negativity on the Fozcast. Just say something nice. Give the video as li a like as usual. Well, let's get into it, okay? Right, so I'm just looking at your stats here, okay? You've been around the place. Yeah, I've been all over the place. Really. In a football sense. In a, yeah, in a football <laughs> sense, obviously. So we were just totting up the countries, the different countries that you've played in. Mate, so started at Spurs in the academy. Yeah. Groningen. Yeah. Which is? In Holland. Holland, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um, check that. Ghent, which is Belgium. Yeah. Bursaspor, Turkey. Yeah. Haugesund on loan in Norway. Yeah, yeah, you missed that one out. Wow, that. sorry, mate. Yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a key one. Yeah, I love that. Norway, and then Turkey for Bursaspor, Udinese, Italy, and then you find yourself at Watford. Back home to Watford. Mate, that is some that's a crazy journey as a footballer. Yeah, it's a bit like football manager, isn't it? Or like FIFA yeah. career mode. Um, yeah, no, it's been, it's been unbelievable, really. Just like all those countries, all the experiences, uh, playing in different leagues. 
um, yeah, I just really enjoyed it, but it just, it's been a long way around, um, but I'm really happy that I am where I am now because I felt like this was always my goal to come play in the. So how old England. are you now? I'm 28. 28 years old. Yeah. So you were in the academy, obviously, 16-year-old. Yeah, 16. I got released when I was 19, turning 20 in the summer, I think. Talk to me, right? So this is, I think this is a really important thing to talk about, okay? So you spent, so, so I know people say academy from 16. Yeah. Was it 16 or was it before that? It was slightly before that. To be fair, I'm one of the ones that was really late in academy football uh, because I actually came to England to study. So I went to a um, boarding school in Bishop Stortford, which is right next to Stansted Airport. Uh, it was a language school and like the main goal for my parents was literally just for me to learn English and to, uh, yeah, give myself a better chance uh, in life than where the schools where I was in, in Holland. So... I had a different plan in mind. I wanted to play football. So I, I thought, okay, this is my opportunity to go. How to well did that club. go down with the parents? Not at all. So uh, yeah, my, me and my dad don't really see eye to eye up to today. So there's been quite a bit of a family dispute. dispute. Obviously, um, over the years, we've uh, made amends, but it's always been something. I'm, I'm a really stubborn person. I think I've got that from him. So he's still uh, very adamant that I should have gone down the, the, the You're Nigeria route. captain. Come on, partner. It's worked out all right, hasn't I know, it? it's worked out all right. Um, but I don't like rubbing it in his face because uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's just how it is, isn't it? So uh, no, to be fair, it gave me a bit of like extra firepower to prove my point. So, um, yeah, that was actually my story. So I came really late to the academy football. I was only 14 when I got scouted, really. Went to Fulham first. Um, yeah, was, was to be fair, was a bit too far from where I live because I was north of London and yeah. Fulham is southwest, yeah. And I just used to have to sit on the train for an hour and a half and I was 14 by myself. And yeah, it was a bit too much. Uh, and then I got my breakthrough because one of the scouts who brought me to Fulham was like, no, listen, mate, you need to try and go to a club closer to your... Uh, to your school where I was so you can choose he was like do you want to go to Spurs or to Arsenal and I was like I'll try Spurs and then uh, after a trial there I think it was supposed to be six weeks that's what the normal trials are like after two weeks they're like no we need to sign you so I was like over the moon I couldn't believe my luck and um, yeah that was to be fair was the start of my like professional football journey so uh, yeah, it was amazing then obviously becoming a scholar at, at an academy you know how that goes uh, and you think you kind of made it but you're still miles off it and um yeah, and then that was like my my journey into professional football, really. So, so that's the bit that so this here is the bit that I want to talk about because I never did academy, so I don't know what this feels like. But I can imagine that if you've spent the best part of probably five or six years dreaming the big dream, you're going to be a footballer, you're going to earn the money, you're going to be famous, all that kind of stuff, and then you get released at 19 years old. What does that feel like? How does that happen? Yeah. What does it feel like? How do you bounce back from that? Um, yeah, it was like it was the worst thing really because you your your dreams kind of shatter also because i feel like at that stage in life you are still like finding your feet as a teenager everybody knew me now as the kid that left my school to go and play academy football at spurs so, so like the famous that. one you were the famous one kind yeah of thing. yeah famous i mean yeah. in the sense of like within my friendship group and uh, like my lo local town bishop stortford it was i was a kid i went to spurs and then obviously when you're then 19 and get released, it's almost like your bubble just gets burst. So besides your ego taking like a massive hit, yeah. Um, yeah, you also don't really know what to do after that. So for me, it was even more difficult because my dad was like, no, I want you to go to sixth form university and then getting released was almost like, yeah, he was right in some sense. I told with, you so. Yeah, yeah, with that though, Will, so what, did you know it was coming? So was it a case of the end of the season and they say sit you down and go you're either going to be kept on or you're not yeah how does that work yeah to be fair uh for some players it might have been a bit more dubious but for me in my last year i didn't really play too much because we had uh tim sherwood as my under 23 manager oh, okay and um i think after like 
two or three games quite early in the season he just didn't really fancy me as a player so he tried to get me a club in January fair enough fair to say to them yeah um but I wasn't too happy with the club that I came with so I was like adamant I want to stay here improve um still try and prove my point so at that time I already knew kind of maybe four months before the end of that season my contract was going to be up and they probably weren't going to renew it unless some some magic happened um, so yeah, I kind of felt it coming, but I still wanted to really make the most of my opportunity there. So, so then, so when you go to Groningen, so it's yeah. important to know. So, Dutch mum, Nigerian dad, yeah. is that right? Yeah, correct. So, how do you then end up at Groningen? So I then, uh, having been released, uh, you, I flew back home to Holland. I left my digs where I was at. Um, packed all my stuff, got rid of my car that I was leasing at the time, I think. Did you do the Aguero thing and like just go into the canteen <laughs> and say, someone have my Lambo? Um, I don't think I was. Well, it was a Range Rover anyway. It was a Range Rover, yeah, sorry. He had a raffle, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Kickman won it, didn't he? It's world class, I love it. I could have raffled off like my Air Force Ones or something like that. I don't, <laughs> think, was, I don't think there was a lot to my name. So um, no, I think anyone would have probably taken over my debt on the car. If anything, so, um, no, I, it, was, it was very unglamorous. Uh, Pucked up my stuff, I left went back home. And because I'd made one or two appearances for the under 19s for Holland and under 20s by this time, I think I was oh, just before the under 20s, I knew that was kind of where people would know me and I'd have some kind have of... Have a chance. Yeah, have a chance. Especially because some of the boys I was playing with were already playing first team football in Holland. So, um, yeah, through my agent at the time, I got a trial at Groningen and um, they had just sold Virgil van Dijk to Celtic and one or two other players in centre-backs. So they were looking for a number of centre-backs and I kind of came in as a 19, 20-year-old boy to be part of the squad and like earn your stripes. So I wasn't arriving there to be like a first team player, play everything from the get go. Um, but I was, yeah, I was like, I was more than happy with that chance. Professional contract in the top league in a good team and an opportunity to like improve. Chance to start again, yeah. basically. So was that going back home or leaving home? Uh, it was a bit of both to be fair, because obviously coming over to England as a 12 year old boy, England was my home. And um, yeah, by that time I was already with my partner Molly, uh, who I met just after leaving school before I signed Spurs. Um, and yeah so I had a lot going on there and obviously my teenage friends were all the boys that I spent hours and hours with in the changing room so leaving England in some sense was also like leaving home yeah. but it was back to familiar territory uh, which was also quite strange because the last time I really lived in Holland I was 11 years old so you know people still from your neighbourhood and stuff like that but it's not like I really had school friends there in, in, yeah. that, in that sense so it was a bit of both, to be honest. Um, and yeah, as you probably know, it's part of my chameleon kind of, um, yeah, personality, character. Can to you kind speak of Dutch, by the way? Yeah, that's, Dutch is my first language. So, Shush, yeah. up. Wow. Um, you mentioned agents there a minute ago. I just want to, yeah. that's another question I want to ask, actually. When you're that age, yeah. sort of 19, how do you go about getting an agent? Um, they kind of come, especially playing at Tottenham Hotspur at the time, they kind of were lurking around at like the youth team games because they were obviously trying to spot the next talent. So you kind of get approached by a few of them. Is it literally as simple as that? After as the game, they will come over to you and say, yeah. I've got this player, I've got that player, come with me. Yeah, they'll hand you your business card or they'll try and find your mum or dad on the touchline or they might have a player already who will then try and get your number. So um, yeah, there's always a few that would probably be interested just because of the standard of academy where you're at. Uh, but as a young player, you don't know anything about that. So I remember coming in and talking to our academy manager, like, oh, I've got an agent now. He was like, mate, what have you got an agent for? You think I'm going to give you £10 more in your scholarship? No chance. Like, he's like, yeah. get rid of him now. Yeah. So it was like a, quite an interesting 
different view of it because they were obviously sick and tired of seeing these agents trying to squeeze out a few more quids for their players. It's interesting though, well, isn't it? Because you, you might argue that are they trying to have Make an easy life with the player rather than someone getting in the way? You know, are they going to get a better deal or? Yeah, it's, I think it probably depends who gives you that advice. Yeah. Now looking back from all those years, John McDermott, the guy who gave me that advice was probably very genuine at the time and he could see that there was no point because a pair of free boots to sign with an agent. Is that what have, it was? Well, they give you like maybe, not even a boot deal, but they give you some boots or they'll like take you out for dinner here and there and they'll just like come and watch your games. They're waiting for the deal, the yeah. big one, aren't they? Yeah, they're waiting they, for the move. They are just literally spread betting and just waiting because in our youth team, Good we had like yeah. we had Harry Kane, we had like a few players. So, I mean, whoever jumped on him first was you know I mean Had think about bet. it now yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, but again sorry you, I love this because as you're talking I'm keep thinking of new questions because you're talking yeah. about new things Harry Kane you talked about Harry Kane yeah. there okay where I remember I remember I, I remember playing against Harry Kane when I was at West Brom and yeah. it was one of his first few Tottenham matches right and yeah. I remember this young kid coming on and I was thinking yeah, actually he's alright him to be fair yeah. I think he actually scored a goal past me whatever but a lot of people have said told me anyway in the past that Harry Kane in the youth team at Tottenham and even coming up through the ranks in Tottenham, you could never, ever have seen this happening. He was a decent player. He had a chance. He had a, he could have done something. But to be the player that he was then to what he is now, a lot of people have told me, I just couldn't see that. I could have seen it. No, I'm joking. No, <laughs> um, no, no, no. I think people have told you that 100% right. Um, we, I think in that time, we had some players that were more outstanding at that age than he was. But the one thing that I will never forget about is how persistent he was on improving himself. And he was always the one who spent a lot of time after training, doing finishing, working on his free kicks. Um, and yeah, he was just very driven and in his like own, he had his own ideas and just wanted to like be the best, be the best, be the best, be the best uh, from a very young age. So I've got to give all credit to him because I thought everything that he's done now, he's maximized his ability like completely 100% That's I love that because he's like he's had some loans he's been out yeah. on loan to all sorts there's pictures of him sitting on the bench at Leicester yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean the other teams like and those are good loans I mean he's been uh, Leighton Orient Leighton Orient all those yeah. clubs he cl climbed his way up and at Spurs at the time same I think the biggest example was probably Andrews Townsend who had like nine loans before he made his yeah. Spurs debut and because you could have like a, a month loan because you're still a youth player that is what we were trying to do. So you tried to play a good game with the youth team or the reserve team, hoping that there'll be a manager from a League One or League Two team watching okay. there just to get you a chance to get into like a So at that age, you just want to go and play That's first what you wanted football. to do. Like if you went on loan, we were like, oh, nice one, mate. Like, congrats. It wasn't necessarily good. even thinking about trying to get to the first team. That was that was like miles off. And we knew that. Um, so the players who kind of went on loan as early as 16, 17 were normally the ones that had the biggest head start. And right, that was really. that was where you would earn your stripes really to come back and then be like okay you're a little bit close to the first team well, mate, a bit you, you to all you got to do is look at your rap sheet of, of teams mate it speaks for itself my, honestly mine is it's completely different to yours but it's yeah. on a very similar sort of wavelength yeah. where if you I could name you some of the teams I've been out on loan to you'd have never heard of yeah, them yeah. never heard of them Tiverton Town yeah. Stafford Rangers <laughs> have you heard of these teams no, no. never heard of these teams right I didn't care yeah. I was 19 years old 20 years old I just wanted to play first team football and it didn't matter yeah. where it was right yeah. as long as there was something on the line and it wasn't a resi match a reserve team match where yeah. there's nobody watching and it doesn't matter the result it's all about growth and all that kind yeah, of stuff yeah, yeah. no I'm not that having it. it you've got to be put out there in front of people yeah. waiting and watching like, haven't you that is exactly it 
And I felt the one thing that I learned from my time there, even though I, I never went on loan really, is that I knew you had to try and climb the leagues. So that was like my mentality when I went to Norway, different places where people are like, oh, why are you going there for? It's because I knew I'm going to get a good chance of playing first team football regularly. It's, a, it's the league is slightly better when I've been last year. And I just, I think if you see like every year I tried to like make a jump. It's, I was, it's a logical move yeah. every year. It's it brave makes, though. It makes sense. Mate, yeah. how brave is that? Going yeah. like, well, when, the when Turkey you're, one's interesting. When, when you're 20, yeah. 20, 20, when you went out to Norway? 21? Um, I was 22, I think. Yeah. Going out to Norway by yourself? Uh, Molly joined me for the first time. She, she just left university. But yeah, I, w- I was going to go there initially by myself, yeah. Mate, what's that like? Is that like nervy, excitement? Um, kind it was, of, let's give it a go. It was, it was. The good thing is that I actually went to visit Haugesund and one other team in Sweden, which I knew were like the two candidates for my loan move because I wanted to meet the people and see what it was like. And at, at Haugesund, I met Mark Dempsey, who was a Manchester United Academy manager. And he was like, Will, I've seen all your clips. I remember you from your time at Spurs. Come here and you're going to play for me all the games. I'm going to make you a better player. Sold. So within like two minutes of being there, I don't think he'd even had a sip of his coffee yet. I already knew in my head, like, I'm going to come back here. But I didn't want to give that to them yet because I was still trying to squeeze out a couple few more bobs, you know what I mean? So absolutely. That's how it goes. But I already knew that was the place for me. And um, yeah, and I feel like every time I had that like a gut instinct about somewhere, I was like, okay, I'm going to go. I don't care where it is or what people are going to think about it. This makes sense for me right now. And um, yeah, Mark has been another massive piece of my development. And yeah, he gave me the chance to really improve, play a lot, made me captain as a lone player in Norway when I didn't even speak Norwegian yet and stuff like that. And I think the club had one of the best years. We went to the Europa League and that was like my next thing that propelled me then to moving back to Belgium. So it was like logical steps every time um, and not really caring what people think. I think we need a shout out for Mark Dempsey because yeah, Mark a because man. I think that you I know like say people like people like Mark Dempsey and there's countless others that yeah. have helped players, but not only have they helped the players, but I see the way that Will is now at the training ground and the way he helps the young players, not even the young players, any players, the way he talks to them, the way he carries himself, it, it rubs off on them so much, doesn't it? But I know for a fact you're doing that because you've been there. Yeah, yeah. You've been that kid. Yeah. And you've seen you might not be getting a chance. Like, yeah. Quado at our place at the minute, he's a bit down. He's not playing, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But see, the likes of Will, Peter today, Peter literally, a Tebo, yeah. he, he went, what's up? And Quado was a little bit upset. Kind of, He went, yeah. come here. And I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I watched him say it and I thought, I love that. That's yeah, yeah, incredible. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because he, he's, it's like he can see himself in Quado there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously Quado's not playing football. He wants to play first team football. He wants to go out on loan and stuff. But the opportunity's not there yet because he's just sort of on the peripheries of things. Do you know what I mean? Um, sorry, I went off on a tangent there. No, 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 it's, 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 nice, it's like it? sometimes it's nice just being a fly on the wall and listening <laughs> to you guys chat. Yeah. You don't often hear this perspective. Yeah. Um, before we go from obviously with Spurs, who else was in the academy with you? Uh, so we had Kevin Stewart, who went on to play um, some games for Liverpool. Okay. Uh, now he plays at Blackpool. Um, from my actual age group, from the boys 1993, um, I think me and Kevin probably went the furthest. Yeah. Um, so what I can every what I see now, like the 92s, because you have like a, a model was kind of like that was your year, like a a year group. From the ten boys from all those year groups have got scholarships. There's probably one or two that you can pick out. Yeah. Uh, so Harry is the one from the year that's slightly older than me, together with Alex Pritchard, who went on to yeah. play um, yeah. Norwich, did yeah, well. Norwich. Played with him at West Brom, Pritchard. Very good player. Yeah, exactly. very good player. Uh, Tom Carroll, who had a career, who was a little bit older than them again. Then you had Andres Townsend, Stephen Colker. So yeah. Spurs had like a track record of yeah, yeah. producing players. So when I see Harry Winks now and Oliver Skip, I saw them when they were little kids 
are like under I was under 16 they were like under 12s it's mad isn't it it's Bonkers. crazy you're like Josh Onoma so this you, and you kind of know that from each age group there's probably going to be one or two and sometimes they're not the obvious ones because I was probably the last on everyone's list uh, to actually go and do something yeah. on, a, on a significant level so it's just yeah, interesting in the same way probably why agents probably just try and get as many as they can because you don't really know who's going to be the one that's going to actually mate, go you get so all sorts of late developers and stuff like that I'm the same as you mate yeah. if you looked at my youth I didn't do a youth team but I sort of signed at 18 and if you'd have looked at my team I was nowhere near it yeah. genuinely nowhere near it but it doesn't matter because I was super competitive and I wanted to play first team football yeah. and the rest of them didn't they were comfy in the training they were comfy being at Stoke and it was nice and they were playing games and all that kind of stuff um, look at look at Premier League champ first second you know League 2 because I often think uh, look at it and sometimes technically between the players from even Championship League 2 or Prem League 1 there might not always yeah, be not a, a huge miles. amount in it technically but how much do you attribute to that mental yeah. toughness and that drive yeah that's that's the key thing I think that's the one thing if you were to look at all of us, even at Watford, um, you have boys that come from the street from Lagos. You've got Fozzie who's been obviously very motivated to do something. Everyone has kind of come from somewhere and has that drive. And you can kind of see that sometimes it sparks off more with some people than others. But I feel like if you don't have that, you, you're going to have to have unbelievable ability and you're always going to be known as that player that has unbelievable ability but might not just know how to push himself. But for all the rest of us who are, I like to think as like on a normal level, you need to have that mental side. If not, you can't make it. No chance. I'd rather be the one with... ability. No, sod that. I'd rather be less ability but more driven and yeah. more sort of like just well, want you see it. players, you don't want to start digging people out. Go you on, see dig one. Say one. No. <laughs> say one because you're a football fan. You're not in the game. You can okay. say who you I, want. I, the one that springs to mind because he's been in the press lately is Ravel Morrison. Yeah. And it was he was the absolute... Wonder kid, wasn't he? He yeah. was a wonder. I was at Man United. I heard, I heard Rio talking about. Him. Yeah, I was. At, I was at Man United with Raval, and he was. He was a wonder kid. He was incredible. But how good? Yeah, phenomenal. For that, for the, there was a, probably a all three youth team. He was the best player. But then when he got to about 16, 17, 18 he was way ahead of everybody. Yeah. Like way ahead. I played against him then, actually. Incredible. Ninety three as yeah, well. So just, we actually, and he was different class. It's easy. It's like it's easy for yeah. them, isn't it? And I think that's part of the problem, though. Because it's so easy, he doesn't have to go to the gym. He doesn't have to do the work. He can do what he wants. He can turn up and he can just do it. But then everybody else starts to... It gets to a level where the professionalism and the want and the drive and the need to be better is stepping up every well, time. you had that at Watford under A.D. Boothroyd, didn't he, where he kind of... Just demands it. He just demands it yeah. to be a bit better. But yeah, he was. He was absolutely incredible. But he just didn't have the... Whether it's the mental side or the drive or whatever, the other bits, the other components that make you weren't there. They weren't. They just weren't there alongside the the ability. Interesting. Very um, very interesting. Okay, let's talk about where did we leave it there? So Gronigan. So Gronigan, yeah. you were there for two seasons yeah. on loan at one. No, sorry, Cronigan. Yeah, Is that better? Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. So and just, then I'll, I'll wrap up really briefly. So I came there, um, didn't make it into the first team, uh, made my debut, got subbed at half time. I cried my eyes out. I tried. I think I told the manager to f off and stuff like that because he, <laughs> why? Because he bought you off. Yeah, it was a tactical decision, but I felt like I've worked so hard for this moment, and then he subbed me from all the people that he could have taken off. I think he went to a back three or something like that, and it just hit me really hard. I said I wanted to leave on loan. I said I'm not staying here. January, I left on loan to a team in the second division in Holland called Dordrecht. We got promoted, 
and that was like my rebirth in Holland because all of a sudden now I'm playing in the top league side with just loanies and I was playing every week getting smashed we got relegated that year but it was like my first real like experience of playing top football you know so that, be, was, that was Holland being so, part of the team as well though I think that's the big thing that was thing. the best we went out isn't it yeah even though we got we lost the games we went out together as a team on a weekend after the game we were all like 21, 22 so it was almost like being like a professional footballer student and um, but that kind of made our team so tight so then when we yeah. did win it was like, amazing and that, that, those are probably my best mates in the football because we all were there with the same like idea um yeah Any big boys you played against um what was that 2015 yeah there wasn't a bit later i feel like in holland there weren't any like really really big yeah, players yeah. yet um that came a bit later in my career yeah okay and then on to ghent yeah so again, Siami took a punt on me. Uh, they had just won the league the year before. I think they saw, even though the team, we were getting hammered all the time, we played one against one all over the pitch. I was literally me and the striker for 90 minutes. So I could have an amazing game, but if you slip past me once, it'll be a goal. And that was the philosophy of Dordrecht, the team I played at. So the good thing was, is that everybody could see my defending ability because I was doing it literally the whole game. Uh, but you could also see my glaring mistakes. And they just said, no, we like this player, but he's not just quite right yet for us. So we want to sign him, but send him on loan because I wasn't ready to play Champions League. I've literally just got relegated in Holland. So uh, they did that. Then they sent me to Norway. Um, that was my choice because they kind of left it open where I wanted to go on loan. Um, and then I came back again and then I was ready and um, played there, fell out with the manager um, because I think he, he didn't like the way that I kicked one of the players in the training because he thought it was malicious, <laughs> but it wasn't at all. Because Foz knows me, when I train, I'm like 100%. I think yeah. we even ran into each other today. Today. Um, I was there a bit left in, was there? Yeah, yeah no, it's a bit He's like, trying to leave it and I was trying to get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's Mr. Football's yeah, nice guy there, yeah, isn't he? He, sure, he wouldn't do that. No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm like a like play like you train, train like you play kind yeah. of person just because I know my level of ability and what I need to do to get myself best for the weekend. So, and he didn't like that. And I think someone kicked me back like five minutes later and I was like, oh, you're not going to say anything about that then? And then he sent me back in the change room and then I already During training, literally yeah, during go. Training, he was like, yeah, go in the change room. Oh. Um, but he was like the king of the hill at that club. So everybody knew not to mess with him. I think the boys enjoyed it because I think I was the first person who actually said something back to him. Um, and then I met him in this office again one time later trying to make amends but I could tell already like he it was done him. yeah and then all of a sudden I got this uh, call to go to Turkey so um, yeah it was a bit out of character because they offered me at the time a massive contract and I yeah I kind of thought okay well I'm here in, in, in Belgium now am I going to make it to the Prem or not um, I might have to just was that always a dream the Prem Prem was always the goal that was it the end goal but I thought if I don't make that, I kind of want to secure myself. Sometimes you don't know how often yeah. that, like an opportunity like this comes. So what are you mid-20s at this point? 26? Yeah, 23, turning 24. This okay, is so. really important, Will, because we talked about this with League One, League Two players. Yeah. And as I say, you, you've gone to Turkey yeah. and people say, well, that's an interesting move. Yeah. And a lot of, I guess, British-based players don't yeah. often stay too long. But yeah. like you said, you don't know here. You're not, I guess, in that upper echelon. Yeah. So you don't know what your future holds. So first and foremost, yeah. let's get paid. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah. That, um, and, and that's honestly the, the conversation that I had with my mum at the time and with Molly was like, it's a strange move. Bursa Sport was a big club. Yeah. They won the league there before. They had that stadium with the crocodile. I don't know if you've seen yeah, it. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive. Incredible. Brand 40, new 000, yeah, yeah. 40,000 people. City the actual stadium is a crocodile. Yeah. Like it's I've built around. It. Like it's, it's amazing. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Four million people in the city, close to Istanbul. It ticked a lot of boxes and it made a lot of sense. 
and this, and for me, the Turkish Super League is a competitive league. It was better yeah. than Holland, better than Belgium. Fanatic fans, Turkish fans. fans. Wow. So in that sense, it, in my calculations, it was a step step up again. Like what I was going to face, what kind of players they just like signed all some of the older players like Adebayor, strikers that I knew that were probably there to get a payday, but they're still good strikers. So you're still going to have good games. So I went there and I knew as well in the back of my mind, it was the year before the World Cup and we had just qualified for the World Cup in Nigeria. And I started all the games. Uh, I felt like the manager liked me, trusted me. So I said, okay, I'm going to go to the Super League, play a lot of games because they bought me for some money, which was rare in, in Turkey. How much was it? I think it was like two million quid. Or nice, like though, isn't quid. it? Yeah. So it was the first time someone put a transfer fee and actually money on the table for a good contract because they also had in mind, okay, he's going to come play World Cup, probably play there, boom, try Bigger and do name. something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah, and it worked out. I had a French coach, Paul Le Guen, who was um, a yeah. legend at PSG. And he was, he called me up and he was like, Will, I want you. Um, my national team manager, I called him up. I was like, listen, it's a bit of a strange move, but I feel like it's going to work for me. And he actually knew Paul Le Guen because our national team manager is French, German. So he's like, yeah, go. I know him, trust him. Talk to me quickly about how nice that feels when a manager rings you. And it's key. And I'll never forget the call. It was quite late at night. I think it was 10, 11 or so. You know the move's going to go on at this point. I knew that it was almost done. Yeah. But they wanted the manager to... So that they, they wanted to sign me 100%. And But they just signed the manager and they wanted to okay with him before they said, okay, come. Because I was going to be one of the allocated money signings because they, they only wanted to sign free players or loan players really in Turkey because they try and do well on the salaries instead of the transfer fees. So for them to pay that money already for me was a bit of a deal. Uh, so I just wanted to okay it with the manager. Um, and then I got the phone call from him and then I knew that it was going to be done. And then the next morning I got the phone call again from my agent. He was like, yeah, it's done. And I was like, yeah, to be fair, I thought so already. And it went really quickly, flew to Turkey, everything new again. Um, and I was quite blown away. Amazing training ground, good facilities, amazing stadium. And uh, yeah, went for it, loved it every every second of it, played some amazing games. And then at the end of the year, we went to the World Cup and uh, played there, uh, played the three group stage games until we unfortunately just missed out in the last game against Argentina. And um, yeah, and then I, I got back home and I was like, okay, I'm sure the phone's gonna ring now sometime. Waited, 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 waited. Uh, some some offers came, but then I then realized for the first time that it's not necessarily me who's gonna make the decision, it's gonna be the club because they want to obviously sell me. Um, and so whatever transfer fee is the best for so them. So this is basically the end of the season here? Yeah. In so between? Start, like, off, yeah, off season. World Cup, yeah. So yeah. start of pre-season. World Cup's just been through the off-season, really. You've done well in the World Cup. Yeah, done well. Um, yeah, it was, it was a roller coaster as well, the World Cup. I'll come back to that in a minute. Yeah, we'll but, touch on that later, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that did overall did well. Um, and then, yeah, the opportunity came. I remember I got called up. I was in the restaurant, and they said, yeah, the president wants to meet you now at the training ground. I was like, okay, why? What's that for? Two minutes later, my agent rings me. He's like, oh yeah, we've got Udinese, a club in Italy that wants to buy you. They've already agreed the fee. So then I put two and two together because we were talking to a few other clubs. So I wasn't sure who it was. Um, yeah, and then they were like, yeah, well, you need to go. Um, this is what we're going to get for you. You should try and make an agreement with them. But in theory, you're going to have to go there. Um, Are it, you open to this? Are you like, yeah, cool. So when yeah. they say you're going to have to go there, and you know when you see on Sky Sports News and they'll yeah. say, couldn't agree personal terms. So I take that as they either wanted too much cash yeah. or they're not moving there to that country. You know, for me, the biggest thing was now is because I'd made quite a big step in my in my, in my wages. Um, you were on a level. Yeah, on the level. Yeah. And now I was like, I knew, okay, I, this is my leverage to try and stay there. And, and Udinese were like, okay, well, you've been 
tried and trusted, but not really in the Serie A, like a big league. So we want to offer you this. So then I had to go and sit back up there with the president and I went to the boardroom, I remember, it was like the most intimidating thing ever. And he was like, well, Will, listen, they've offered you this, you're going to miss out on about this. And I was like, well, you know what, I want to stay then. I don't want to go anywhere. I love this club, it's the best club I've been at. And I could see his face like going no! red. Yeah. Oh, fuck off, Will. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> I, I was just repeating all the things that they said to me when they signed me. So they were like, yeah, this is the best club, blah, blah, blah. And then they said, okay, well, you just have to wait outside for a minute. And then I stood outside and they came back in and they're like, so, okay, you know what? We'll do it. And we're going to give you the difference. We'll make it up, basically. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So what would, how much transfer fee did Udinese pay for you? Uh, I think it was three and a half million. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if they made another deal or something like that. Um, yeah. I don't, I'm, I don't know if what I'm, how much I'm allowed to say about yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff. But anyway, it got done. And I was buzzing because I knew, okay, this is my chance in like a top league. Big league. Top league. Big league. Yeah. So, and that was the year that Ronaldo just signed there. So all eyes all of a sudden were on Serie A again. They signed some big players. Um, yeah, and then I just rocked up and I was I arrived in Italy. I flew and then flew out the night and it was the last day of the window in Italy. And one day later, I met the manager, walked past his office. It was a Spanish guy. I couldn't speak Spanish, couldn't speak Italian. Everything was new and he was like, yeah, we're going to have a training. It was a Friday. And then throughout the training, all the boys were looking at me like, oh, this looks like the starting team and I'm in it. And I was like, oh, okay. So thankfully, we had one Dutch guy there uh, who ended up being a really good friend of mine. Bram Knighting, his name was. He still plays there as the captain of the team now. And he's like, Will, I think you're going to start tomorrow. You know? So, so I don't, for, for people, like this is again, like, I don't think people understand this sometimes. On a Friday, right, guys? So we, obviously most games are on a Saturday. On the Friday, Friday morning training session, okay, you'll normally have a meeting in the morning, yeah. but then you'll have a training session and then you'll go through a bit of a warm-up, blah, blah, blah. But then the bulk of the training session will just be about sort of team Fair shape, won't yeah. it? It'll be preparing for the game that you're playing tomorrow against the team that you're playing yeah. tomorrow. But what the, the managers like to do is get the starting 11 into some sort of a formation yeah. just so everybody can sort of see the mate next to them, know where they are, so then tomorrow it's not so much of a shock kind of thing. But they don't also like to say the starting lineup, yeah. do they? They don't like on a Friday, they don't like to say what the starting eleven is going to be, because there's going to be another eleven or twelve people that it's going to really affect them. They're going to be like, for God's sake. And then you've got to get through the whole training session, haven't you? Yeah. So like you say there, they sort of they try and do it slyly, don't they? Yeah, like, yeah. oh let's you, you just stand there and you stand there. But really everybody's looking going, I think I'm starting yeah, here. I'm yeah. buzzing. So that's a lovely feel that's a great start, yeah. Yeah, that is exactly what happened, Karnay. And it was like the last 10 minutes of the training because like you said, they try to disguise as much as they can normally because they don't <laughs> want to piss anyone off at the start of the session. Um, and then, I, I and, and the worst thing about it is, well, I didn't even know anyone's name because I spent the morning still trying to finish off the paperwork. So I literally went running in, changed boots on, out to the pitch, everything new. And uh, yeah, they went back to the hotel and then the next day we traveled to the away game. And uh, we I think we drew, it was two all, um, did well. And that kind of was like the best start I could have had there because you kind of get accepted into the group directly and um, people know what you're about, what you can give. And then they also know that you're willing to work for the team. So I don't think I could have had a better start. And I think after that, I played all the games uh, for that the next season. year. Yeah, for so, the season. so when you go to the, so looking at it and I think, okay, a player signed that. If I was going there, I'd probably be on the coach or on the playing going, right, go on Wikipedia and look at their squad. Yeah. Who do I recognize? Is that something you do? I did when I got the phone call from uh, from Gino at the time when I was in Turkey um, and I knew that they were serious and they wanted to get me I was literally on like 
Wikipedia, like doing your research, there, trying to figure out Udinese, like where is it, what club is it? Because I didn't really watch Serie A as a kid, especially when my football background was kind of England. Some say like Premier League was it, and then I just used to watch the leagues wherever I was playing because I found that interesting. But I didn't, I didn't really watch Serie A. That was like before my time when it was like really big. So I didn't know anything about Udinese, where it was, yeah. and anything like that. But to be fair. Gino sold it to me because he said, oh, you also know I own Watford. So he's like, if you do well here, I'm probably okay. going to bring you there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so when you move to a country like that, yeah. and they say, okay, transfer done, personal terms done. Yeah. How do you move house? Do you have a fixer? Is there an agent? Is it a player liaison officer? How do you then get a house and move in? How does that whole process work? Because I'm guessing you're not... They're uh, packing boxes like I am. No, no, no. To be fair, I had already in, in Turkey, like, got rid of everything because I knew this summer it was probably going to happen More at Air one Force point. Ones? Uh, some Air Force Ones, to be <laughs> fair, became a little bit nicer at this stage. Limited Might edition be- <laughs> we're talking here. Come on. We had, we had something else, maybe a few collabs, but... Um, yeah, no, I knew it was kind of happening. So I had all my stuff ready. And especially because I knew it was near the end of August that like, it could happen any moment. Yeah. But then arriving in Italy... That's like a whole new ball game. So I spent the most of the time in the hotel at first. Um, it took ages because Italian people like doing everything on their own time. Um, and then, yeah, you kind of have to look for something yourself. I was lucky because Valon Barami was your teammate yeah, yeah. at Watford. I didn't play with him, but yeah. Oh, he was at Watford before. Yeah. He was really nice. All the boys wanted to help me out. And he actually had a flat where he was leaving uh, because his family was moving back to uh, wherever. Um, so he said, you can have my flat. So then it all went very smoothly. So normally that's what helps because you kind of speak with the boys in the changing room. Well, what's a nice area to live in? Uh, what that's do you how think? it's done. Yeah. How much do you reckon I could get for a nice flat for one bed, two bed or whatever you want you're after? And then the club does always help with like a player liaison. Uh, but sometimes it's just nicer to get like a different view from someone who's ready. I think there. at yeah. first, what normally happens is at first, when a, well, especially when a player comes from a different country and stuff, the club will put them into a hotel. They'll yeah. put them into a, a nice local hotel, basically, um, like applicable for what your needs are. So if you're coming with a family, they'll put you in a nice suite, all that kind of stuff. And they'll usually do it for a month, maybe two months or so, or so yeah. max, just so then you can get your feel for the place and understand what the city's like, all that kind of stuff. You can go out, enjoy food and all that. And then in the meantime, you're sort of putting the feeling out like Will said there about flats, apartments, where's the nice places to live. That's how it goes basically. But the clubs, to be fair, clubs are brilliant, aren't they? Yeah, clubs, yeah. clubs help everybody because you get yeah. some players that won't speak a word of the language. So they need all the help they can get to be fair. And what about what about like getting you to know your way around the city and stuff? Do a couple of the lads go, Oh, where, where's good for coffee? Hey, what, what's where's good for restaurants? What's what's Yeah, I think that you have to be relying a little bit on your teammates and I think now because I've been through it so so often I always try and make an effort yeah. with new players Fozzie probably knows the same thing because it makes all the difference when you arrive somewhere and someone's like oh let's go for dinner tonight and or oh let's go here or do you need anything or do you want to go and have a look at flats together or so, anything like that it just makes a difference and um, yeah to be fair those boys took me out for dinner um, they love food in Italy and I love food so it was, it was easy done and uh, good coffee shops and yeah, gelato exactly and all yeah, a little glass of wine here and there was, was all lovely um, so yeah no that was well, that was great and Udine is literally that size so you can't really go wrong in, in the sense so there's only a few restaurants where the boys tend to go um, it's not like moving to London or somewhere and really having no yeah. clue um, so in that sense it was all quite easy uh, but yeah it makes a difference when the boys try and help you out so Let's talk about the big move then, okay? The one that you've always dreamed of, the the one that you've been chasing your whole football career to England. Might not have been the Premier League, but it was a stepping stone to the Premier League. Yeah. So it was a bit bit of a 
you know, in the making for a long time. Not only through all these countries, but when I was in Italy, my first year was my best season to date. Not, yeah, probably consistently. You played against Ronaldo, yeah? Yeah, played against uh, quite a lot of the big boys. It was nice and I just it just flowed. You know, sometimes when it just it just happens and, um, and it came to the end of the season and I was like, okay, well, I think something's going to happen here. And Udinese were probably thinking, oh, we want to keep him a bit longer. So we were flirting with some English teams. And then the conversation also came up, okay, okay, might bring you to Watford now. Last minute, it didn't happen. Um, I renewed at Udinese and then I kind of set my mind to, okay, I might just play in, in Serie A and I'm happy here. Family's happening. I just had my son and uh, I was really enjoying that challenge there. And then like towards the end of my second season, then the conversation happened again about Watford and then Watford were having a bit of a difficult season and when the years when the, the lads went down um, so I was watching all those games like please stay in there please stay out please stay out because I think <laughs> oh this could be my year so then they would end up going down and um, and so I kind of put it out of my mind you know with all due respect because I was playing in Serie A I kind of wanted to stay there or playing against go Ronaldo. to the Prem yeah don't lie when you play against Ronaldo does everybody try and get a shirt uh, yeah did, did you ever get any? Uh, the closer I got was like pulling his shirt probably. Please. Like, yeah, yeah. What's, he, what's he like? What is Cristiano Ronaldo like to mark? Uh, sharp. Like razor sharp. Waiting for you to just look away for one second. So he scored some goals against me where I've literally looked over my shoulder to see where the other centre half is and he's nipped off. He waits for those moments. Ball comes, bang, it's gone. He's Too off late. to the, the corner flag, yeah. The next time you see him, he's in the <laughs> He's already off at the corner yeah. flag celebrating. Unlucky. So, yeah, mate. So it's, 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 I feel like that is like the, the, the top, top level that he delivers is that he just knows when and how to execute. That's interesting though, because I wasn't expecting that response. I, <laughs> I expect physical attributes. He jumps the highest, he runs the fastest, but it's that almost mental awareness, like you say, sharpness. Yeah. He mm. knows how to apply himself. So the jumping was one thing that also took me by surprise. I remember there was one ball that was like kind of over my head and then I tried to turn around to follow it and he was already in the air, like <laughs> yeah. trying to nod it. So, he floats. Yeah, it's crazy. So that is, it's time, but it's timing. Because yeah, I think you're off balance at this yeah. point. So you're, not that you're not, actually, you know, you, you might not be off balance, but you're not fully ready. Yeah, to jump. Whereas yeah. he's already in the air. Yeah, so yeah. even if he hits you or you hit him, like you're rides. going, yeah. you're going down, mate. He's already there. And he, you can see him like kind of like ride plays to go up. So he takes a run up, jumps. And then as the person jumps, he kind of like boosts himself and then he just goes for it. So that was one thing. And obviously now he's a little bit older. He On like long distance, he's not someone that is really going to out sprint you, but it's just the sharpness on like the first two, three yards that you have to be really careful with. That was like my observation, obviously. I'm going to see what it's like this year again, hopefully. But Mate, he still looks sharp as yeah, hell. Yeah, he does. He does, doesn't he? he does. Like sharp as yeah. hell. His feet are just, they're a joke. He's rapid yeah. still. Has he got four in three, is it? Yeah, five, five, yeah something, something like that. Five and four. He's, he's just he's ridiculous. I don't think he? he's ever slowing yeah. down. No, hopefully he uses it all up now before we get to them, yeah. Well, yeah. When are you playing them? I think it's uh, November. November, is it? Oh, you know, I'm glad you know. I haven't got a yeah. clue, man. I don't look at the fixtures anyway. I take it game by game. It's so the best way to do it in the yeah, Premier League, yeah. mate. Best way to do it. Um, okay, yeah. So we've come over to England. We've yeah. signed for Watford. Yeah. Can I tell you my first... Um, in the Championship. In the Championship. Yeah. So it's it's in the summer. We've just we've just reported back for pre-season training. And um, there were a couple of the lads. Like, it's mad. This is how football works, right? Oh, apparently we're signing that um, one of the, a defender from Udinese. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah supposed to be decent to be fair that's how it went <laughs> i swear on my life i'm not looking i'm not licking his ass here all right supposed to be decent apparently oh really all right yeah we've already got a few defenders to be fair we've always had quite a few defenders at yeah. watford supposed to be decent all right cool next couple of days boom done signed he's in and 
I hear the name Will True Sakong. He's Nigerian, right? I see him. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, maybe his English ain't too great. So I've gone up and I can't repeat what... Actually, I can't start it. I went, well, we're going to have to blur the word, but I went, whoa. <laughs> I went, I went, hey, mate, big you, ain't you? Yeah. <laughs> Just like being nice, right? And, it, and he looked at me and he kind of... I don't know if he knew how to take it or not, but he went... All right, mate. <laughs> and it, I was it, like, it threw me off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What on earth? Yeah, we're in the gym. I remember yeah, saying I know, it, I remember and it then well. he went, "All right, mate." I was yeah. like, "What? <laughs> wow!" Yeah, no, it was it was it was quite strange. I think people didn't really expect me to speak English like this, anyway. Um, yeah, because people didn't really know that story, so they just knew me as like being in Italy as a Nigerian defender. So I I understood it when it happened, but it was just hilarious because I was literally like, "What the." F- he's saying to me you know what I mean so. that's a bit of a gamble though isn't it well like because you've gone you, like you say you've taken all those logical yeah. steps yeah. and although the championship like in European terms is still quite a big yeah. league isn't competitive. it it's, there's no guarantee that Watford are going to get straight back up because no. it's so competitive yeah. so you could end up staying in the championship yeah, for like a number a of seasons yeah, yeah, at, sure. at the age you're at yeah. 27, 26, 27 it was my biggest gamble like not gamble but calculated risk yes because I spoke to Gino and our conversation was literally I was like spell out to me what the team is going to be like because I want to know who's staying and going because it was still during the transfer market are all the big boys going to leave and is it going to be a complete new team because then you don't really know what you're signing for or are you going to try and keep some people what's the idea so he gave me the whole like backlog to it um, and for me it was like okay I'm 27 now this might be my time I wanted to have some kind of security as well I'm going to be really open here so I said to okay Gino listen I'll come um, five year contract I'm going to take the risk you know if it doesn't happen and he said to me listen Will if you come and play here if we don't go up and you had a good season we'll probably try and sell you that's how it goes if you 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 know if everything goes to plan you come play in the Prem and then it's a win for everyone isn't it so that was kind of the the situation we had so I thought the, the only scenario that can happen is that I arrive don't do well which is you know possible on football get injured team doesn't go up you know I might still enjoy it so I might be like okay, I still love Watford I still want to play in the champ I might stay another year and then you kind of have to make another decision so all the places where I've been before had been risks for different reasons so this has been like, okay I'm going to go here but this one was nice because I kind of felt like I had it in my own hand and especially with the team that we had I, I genuinely believed wholeheartedly we're going to do it and I know that everyone says it's difficult in the champ going down and up, but I just looked at the squad and I thought, this is a, you did know, it's Be real, bit. did you just say, is Ismail Sahar staying? Is Ismail Sahar is staying? Is Ismail staying? Is yeah. that old goat going to be yeah. in goal next is, season? Is, is Foz staying? You ain't got to worry about that. As long as Isma stays, you've got a yeah. chance, mate. You've yeah. got a chance. Um, do you still, uh, do you use an agent, by the way? Because it sounds to me like, literally, like, every move that you've done, <laughs> you've been the guy, yeah. you've been the guy talking to the frigging owner of that one. I don't blame this you either. Been, that was probably another like massive thing about because in the like, most recent years, I was like, "Do I actually need someone here?" Because from my experience, like if you perform to a certain level, people know where to find you. Nowadays, 100%. with the internet, stats, everything, like just pop out of nowhere. And often it will be an agent that has been sent by a club, and you can literally ask them, "Okay, if you've got this club for me, show me that you've got this mandate or whatever from this club to say, oh yeah." Ex May United or Man City or Arsenal wants to sign you because they will, or they'll just get you on the phone with the sporting director or some way or another. So that was kind of what happened with most of my moves that the club kind of came directly or through someone with enough proof that I knew that I was speaking to someone in the club. 
So I then I didn't want to dish out anything to any agent anymore because I thought, yeah, I don't need anyone here if I just trust myself to play well. Um, so I went through a stage of not having an agent, lawyer, family. I thought, you know what, I can actually do something purposeful with this money or, you know, you know, allocate in a different it's way. It's good money. A bit money. We're talking 5% yeah. of a contract. So you, of a yearly contract as yeah. well. So if you, whatever contract you sign, normally you will per year pay 5% of that to an agent. Yeah. For which is normally, I'm not being bad, but it's normally a couple of days' work, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. a few phone calls. Yeah. It's a couple of days' work. Yeah. So I, I don't like, obviously, to undermine anyone's work because there's other moments where you really need an agent uh, when you might not be playing well because football is a lot of his connections, who you know, who do they trust, of all course, that kind of yeah. stuff. So you've got to back yourself if you want to go down that, that way. But I think that is the way that football is going at the moment because people see that, you know, with all the accessibility people have to you and and having your like own career in hand you can really do a lot yourself and i feel like that's like a massive thing now about player empowerment whether it be you know social media how you sell yourself um all the things even what foz is doing now the Fozcast, like people are trying to take things into their own hands which i think is like the next step of it because i i love when play a player is more than just someone who's on the pitch that has actually got you know, you are your own entity, you're on your own business. That's you as a person, not just what you perform on a, on a Saturday. And I feel like as more the more that people realize that, the more people try and do something with that. And I think like being, you know, your own agent or having maybe your family or someone who can help you with that, it's massive because if you play well, you don't need anyone. You just need a good lawyer to sort out your contract. That's could, that's that's the well, truth. Well, honestly, yeah. mate, you're talking so. I love this. You're like talking you're so much sense. Well, you're not preaching, but you're talking to the converted. Yeah, yeah you're talking. Do you know what you're talking sense? Because you see, like nowadays, you, you remember it started a few years ago where basketball players would sort of get involved with a bit of politics or stuff yeah. like that. You see LeBron jump, like he'd jump on a tweet and he would say something about politics, and there was you'd have like these news reporters and whatever, and they'd try and shut him down or. Hmm stick to your game stick to your arena you're a basketball player what do you know about it yeah that don't fly anymore does it now people now sports people in particular have realized that their voice carries who was it in the summer with england was it tyrone mings there, there's got been, right stuck in didn't there's they, loads the marcus rashford Brilliant. marcus rashford changed the law yeah. yes, marcus brilliant. rashford has changed the law by himself footballers in uh, all over the like not even football the sports people all over the world are now finally realizing their voice carries more weight than politicians than anyone yeah. else's movie stars they, they, it's a massive it's, it's relatable isn't it that's what people want to hear they want to hear that relatable voice they yeah. do, it's they incredible do. And the other thing to, to your point as well is, is like you say agents I'm sure there's loads that are very very good yeah. you've had one that's been brilliant for many many years yeah. but also what we've realised setting up the channel and the podcast and stuff you don't have to overcomplicate things yeah. it's amazing how much you can do yourself it is incredible isn't yeah. it yeah I, I do want to add to that, like you said, I think there's a lot of agents that do amazing work because I, along my journey, I've also had different people that have yeah. really helped me in the right direction. I just also think that sometimes it's an easy way for a player to not have to think about the difficult things because you kind of just leave it to my agent, leave it to my agent. Everyone tends to say that. But for me, I have like kind of my own team of people around me. So I've got Dan, my friend who's here today. Who, big up, Dan. Yeah, big Dan here. Go on, get um, in front of the camera, Dan. Have a smile. Give me a wave. Go on, Dan. Yeah. Go on, Dan. <laughs> who's, who's been like the last few years been massively influential in a lot of my decision making, but also has been someone that I trust wholeheartedly. Trust, yeah, that's the word. Trust, man. Trust, trust is the main the thing. I've got one or two other people that are always in my circle. So if we're talking about analyzing games or, or what shall I do next or what do you think about this? There's like probably five people that I would always call just to get their opinion as like a bouncing board. And I think like those people are the same people that would, if they have like some knowledge in certain fields, I'd prefer to use them, empower them, you know, 
you know, give that money to them to because them. I know that they can actually help me or they, they've worked with me for free for all this time without expecting anything. Then someone just to rock up at the last minute yeah. and just co-sign something with me. A few phone calls. Yeah, even though they wouldn't have been part of anything of that so and where are they going to be two months after two months after. after that and i've had i just have i've had bad experiences with that so there's two ways for me how you can do it. i'm just going to this last thing i want to say about it either you have your own team or you find an agreement with an agent where you say okay from the money you're going to get this is my opinion you have to allocate so and so to these people that are part of my team so if you want to be my agent be my agent but you're not going to cover everything so from your five percent 2% is for you. That 3% is going to be to the guy who comes with me everywhere, who helps me make decisions, going to do this and this and this and this. And then before you know it, you can actually help put your people on as well. Instead of giving them money out of your own pocket, maybe for the things they're doing for you, that's money that you're supposed to be getting anyway that comes out of your budget as Ben Foster or as Will Eckong. So I prefer getting that money directly to the people that help me. I, so I, think, I, I think, sorry, can I just say, I think that's a massive message for young footballers. I think that's a huge thing to say to young footballers. You do not, ha you do, you're not obliged to sign any contract with any agent anywhere at any time, okay? You can take full ownership of this. It do, it's never, ever a set in stone 5% or 10% or whatever it will yeah. be. It's completely negotiable at all times. You could get your dad to come down and do it for you, for God's sake. You don't have to have an agent, but if you do enter into an agreement with an agent, it's fully negotiable. Yeah, I mean, absolutely everything, okay? I'll tell you a quick story as well, Ross, jumping off the back of this. When I was at Man United, Gary Neville, he always used to say to me, who's your agent? I was telling him, he went, you, he always used to say, you don't need an agent, you don't need an agent. He said, you know who does my deals for me? And I went, who? And he went, me and my dad. He said, we would go in, and whenever it was time to do a new deal, we would go into the to the financial office. It would be with Sir Alex Ferguson. It would be David Gill, whoever it was at the time at Man United then. He said, we would sit in a room and we would talk about what I want. because He says, I know what I want. He said, because I know what I'm worth. Mm. He says, and that's the beauty of it. He says, when I've got my dad next to me and I'm sat there as well, he says, you try and tell us that we're not worth that even though we go out every Saturday and we do it for you every single time. He says, they can't do it. He says, so we normally walk out there with exactly what we want. And he was telling me, I'm thinking, this is incredible. It, what a guy. There, there is a counter argument, not everyone's Gary Neville. So for sure. There are players that maybe are on the periphery of a team and that's where you might need someone with that, exactly. that proper industry knowledge yeah, that now sure. of getting things over the line. But to your point, Will, about having, you know, allocating maybe yeah. a percentage of that to your nearest and dearest and, People don't see this with players, yeah. that their closest confidence, which could be your mate, your brother, your, your mum, your sister, your cousin or someone like that. They're there to pick you up when, you, you know, when you're yeah. down. They're there Inevitably the, will the be The high, down. the bad, the indifferent, absolutely everything. You know, like you say, you'll have people that, that might not be absolute experts in their field, but you go, right, well, they're going to tell, they're going to shoot straight yeah, first yeah. and foremost because you're in a world where everyone's, kissing your ass well not everyone a lot of the time yeah. and actually having someone there that will tell it to you kind of straight not what you want to hear it's, it's important. important move to the championship okay brilliant agent talk by the way I absolutely buzzed off that yeah. um, move to the championship it works out getting promotion talk to me about promotion because for me I, I kept saying to you guys guys this doesn't happen very often you know yeah. this feeling doesn't happen very often yeah, no, like when I think back of it now, it just, it was so exciting. And then on top of it, it was a, a mixture of emotions. It was like the the happiness of like doing that with a team, being part of a group who actually achieved something special, the relief of the pressure. Because when you get to the end of it, it's almost like everybody sees it's coming, but you have to deliver it still. And I felt like that was quite big. 
Um, and then also for me personally was that moment of full circle. So I was like, I finally made it back to the Prem. Like that was amazing. That was an amazing day for me and my, my you know, my family, people that have been on this journey from the start. So that was, those are all the things that went through me. Uh, and also just like trying to get to the final whistle because Millwall were better than us on that Yeah, day. they were. They were. <laughs> so Dan was, Batman, had, he was man of the match. Yeah, he made yeah. a couple saves, honestly, monster saves as well. But winning the game and just getting over the line, it, like I remember counting it down, the relief and the release and the joy yeah. was just, oh my gosh. You had a bit gosh. of fun after when you got promoted, didn't you? You <laughs> yeah, were we uh, a couple of weekends of it. Mate, it was a heavy few yeah, weeks, mate. weren't it? you got to make the most of it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, you don't know when it's going to happen again. I remember watching the footage back and like, yeah. Before it was edited, we put out a couple of promotion episodes yeah. and like Frank, 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 the editors, going, have you seen this footage? We can't put yeah, this absolutely in. unbelievable. We can't put this You've in. You've got like people doing the worm in like booze on the thing. You've got Andre there with a cigar, like yeah, blazing I it. I love it. Yeah, it was um, amazing. Can I, can I ask a, a good question? I think it's a wicked question, actually, because like yeah. you say, the release and the relief and the joy, what made it, it's like I've come full circle. I've all, I'm just finally done what I've always wanted to do. It's a massive achievement. Did you have any doubts over the summer of thinking, well, I hope I friggin' start. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What when I arrived yeah. at Watford? So, no, no, I mean for for the Premier League kind of thing because oh. you started every game so far, haven't you? Uh, You've been a slight centre back rock for us this season already. Yeah, of course, of course. But it, it has to run through your head, yeah, doesn't it? I think I don't think you're normal if you're not thinking, especially where we've come yeah. from as footballers, like yeah. our, our history and stuff. You kind of think, well, yeah, we've got there. I hope I start. Yeah. yeah. Do you look at the transfer market and go? Why we signed another centre half? Or do you, do you look think of things that way? I don't. I don't really get caught in the like rumor thing because that goes round and round and round and round. But when someone arrives, if they would have, I mean, they signed uh, Matty Pollock this summer. Um, obviously, you know by their age and where they yeah. come from that okay, it's going to be a different type of signing. But it wouldn't have been illogical for the club to sign another Premier League centre back. And there was obviously yeah. a few few floating around which were like free agents, like I think Gary Cahill, yeah. different players, which I think probably could have signed at Watford mm. um, yeah so you kind of have to have their mind but then you also have to back yourself so I knew that was going to happen and I knew part of the next stage and that was the one thing that people said to me as well is going to come with disappointments again setbacks like growing pains of getting to this next level different players that you're going to be competing with within like Watford but also in the league and also like even I might start the first five games the people at Watford are going to be thinking further than that. You don't know who's going to come in in January, next summer. So you're always going to be fighting for that. But that just keeps shirt. driving you, Dad, That keeps it? driving you. Yeah. That is what you need to do. I think if you let that overwhelm you or like you get scared by that, then it will just eat you up. So you kind of need to be like, yeah, whoever comes in, I'm going to treat you as my mate because at the end of the day, you can't be a good centre-back without another good centre-back. So yeah. you need that partnership. That is like the key thing. But at the same time, I'm going to be making sure that I'm giving the manager all the you know, like the the best idea of like I need to get Will in my two of the centre backs. Yeah. That's what I need to give the manager. So that's like just been my motivation, really. I love it. And how how are you finding the Prem this season? So we're what four five, five, games. five games in. How are you finding it so far? Uh, amazing roller coaster. Uh, you know, obviously what happened at Brighton. The first game was amazing. Like we win, buzzing. I felt like we were on the front foot. It was exciting. It was everything that I imagined the Premier League game to be. Uh, second game, we weren't good as a team. Um, I had a stinker as well, first half. Uh, missed the header from a corner. And then I gave away the ball and they scored directly from it. Like all the things that I knew could happen kind of happened as well in 45 minutes. And then like trying to recover from that. And then the one thing that I kind of pride myself on from that game specifically, it's not crumbling. Like I said to myself, okay, shit's gonna 
shit's gonna happen. I don't know. If we can swear, it. mate. It's fine. fine. <laughs> it's a podcast. It's um, fine. You know how are you gonna deal with that? Because one thing that someone told me before is that the Premier League, I think, is the league where the most mistakes happen per minute. And I'd like that has always been stuck in my mind. Is like, okay, you need to recover, recover, recover. Do better, do better. It's gonna happen. Gonna happen. So that was like one massive thing. And then now, like the the win again against Norwich, I feel like was like the next bit of confidence that we needed. Like, okay, away we can do it as well. Um, so exciting, man. I just find it amazing. I think you've got there, like you say, the polar opposites of the Premier League straight away. Like yeah. the two extremes. You've got the first game of the season, buzzing your tree off. This is a doddle, this. Let's just do this every <laughs> yeah. week. And then straight away, boom, back down to reality. Two, not like I say, they're not even massive mistakes, but somebody gets a run at you for a corner, it's a goal. Yeah. You misplace a pass, it's a goal. It's a Premier League. Yeah. That's the beauty of the Premier League. Yeah. They don't mess around. It is as simple as that. So, but I think that's, I think to your credit, I think you, everybody can see that you just try and stay on that line. Yeah. You don't get too carried away when it's good and you don't get too upset or too down yeah. when it's going bad. Right, William, talk to me. You yeah. are the Nigeria, the Super Eagles, El Capitan. Talk to me about how important that is to you. How much pride does that give you? Uh, biggest honour. It's unbelievable. Like where I started five, six years ago with the national team. Could you ever see that? Um, was it a dream? It was a dream. I couldn't see it, but funny enough, some people did say to me already that they, they thought that it could be possible. I don't know if they were just literally smoke, like blowing smoke <laughs> on my ass. Could have done. Anyway, thanks for that, we did, because it made me believe that I could actually do it. Planting the seed, at least. Planting the seed. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't something that just like I really wanted to grab, but it was like a gradual thing uh, because Ahmed Musa, who is still officially our like team captain, who's played 100 caps now, is like a star for us slowly just stopped playing as much was on the bench more and then all of a sudden I started playing more and more, more well actually I was always playing but I was consistently the captain and I think it's been like 20 games in a row so then you kind of become like the captain so um, yeah it's, it's an amazing honour and it's just like to do that for your country and to really know okay, I can like help the boys and like, be like a reference point for them and like just like drive them on it's just amazing best moment for the national team World Cup that was like different class even though the last like the last group stage game so my last world cup game we lost in like the 86th minute and i cried on the pitch after uh just because it was like overwhelming and i was like oh my god i'm actually at a world cup like looking around full stadium st petersburg amazing that was That's like the nice, best moment because you had uh croatia so you're up against yeah. modric and then obviously in your last game you beat iceland then yeah. you're up against argentina yeah so when you're facing messi yeah and you're in the tunnel is there an element that you're going? Yeah, am I like scared or what? What is it? Is he like the superhuman? Watch, you're standing opposite him in the tunnel or whatever. What's your thoughts? Do you think like is it? You try. Tell not, me. You try not to stare in it. He's just kind of like look at him. We're like, oh my god, Messi's actually there. Like, are you gonna play against Messi? That's how I felt. And but each game had like his different thing. But that Argentina was like definitely like the Messi show, and they hadn't done well so far in the tournament and I think they already said they were going to get rid of the manager so it was like a massive story and they had to do well and Diego Maradona was there in the stands and like and Messi hasn't scored yet something like that and then yeah you kind of knew like either it's going to be a disaster for them or maybe something's going to happen and then I think within 30 minutes he scored an unbelievable goal I think he probably says one of the best and I can't say that about him but one of the best international goals one of his good ones yeah and he just took it like unbelievable first touch finished with his right foot across the goal and I just remember him wheeling off to the corner flag again and like the stadium just like erupting because there was probably 80% Argentinian people in there because they kind of knew this might be Messi's World Cup, last World Cup maybe this last World Cup game so even some of the Nigerian fans I think sold their tickets outside the Argentinian so it was like a home game for them yeah, yeah. 
and it was just unbelievable yeah it's the same question again yeah what's it like marking Lionel Messi to be fair I got closer to him I managed to get a few tackles in so I've got like one or two pictures which I'm probably gonna like frame and yeah. keep somewhere forever because that is like magic isn't it like the best player probably one of the best players of all time so um, but yeah, when he scored a goal, it wasn't on my side. Yes. Um, it's I'm not happy. my fault. It's I'm, not my yeah, fault. I'm happy it wasn't because when I saw it happen, it was like kind of in slow motion. And my teammate, who I would back 100%, looked like he wanted to do everything to stop it, but just couldn't. And um, yeah, so you, it was like watching poetry in motion. It was unbelievable. And is there like a part of you that thinks it's Lionel Messi? Did it enter your head of... <laughs> I'm going to leave a bit on him early or something like that. Is uh, there? No, I, I think you, you can't even be like occupied with that because I think if you try to do that, you'd probably get sent off because he'd be too, yeah. too nippy, wouldn't he? He'd have skipped over it. Yeah. Early, wouldn't he? And he was, he was, uh, one thing I remember is that he walked around in the start of the game. And then after seeing that, I've watched him a few more times. I watched him once live in the Champions League game. And I think he does that. That's my opinion. I've heard some other people say it as well to just kind of like calculate where the spaces are. So he kind of walks around for like the first ten minutes, doesn't get too involved, and then all of a sudden he just goes pop 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 pop, and then slows just, it down, yeah. slows it like down, football and then, IQ and then it goes, type. Yeah, he just looks okay. So they're playing three five two today. He looks like he's on it. He looks like he's probably coming a bit too tight to me. And then he knows, okay, so the ball comes there. That's what I think goes through his mind. That's interesting, isn't it? And he might even do that like consciously, but I think subconsciously he just finds the space. Just feeling just, his yeah, way. Feeling his way. And then all of a sudden he's like, okay, I can smell there's something here. And then unlucky. Yeah, <laughs> unlucky. Mate. Unlucky. <laughs> all right, okay. So, right, let's talk YouTube, okay? I yeah. know that you're interested in YouTube. You've seen yeah. what we do on the Cycling GK. You love coming on the channel anyway. You're <laughs> one of the ones that loves to get involved. So much so that you've only gone and started your own YouTube channel. Breaking, yeah, breaking, breaking news. news. Literally, we're talking in the last couple of days, the first video has gone out. Yeah. What's the channel called? King Ekong. Yeah, it is, boy. It's flipping <laughs> unbelievable. Like, I want everyone who's watching this, you need to watch this. It's so good. For, so, so for people at home watching, whether you're listening on Spotify, head over to YouTube, okay? Type in King Ekong and subscribe to his channel because I've got to say, Will, right? The the content that I can bring people right yeah. from Watford FC, which was never seen before, which was never seen before. For the the content that I can bring, yeah, I think I well I thought was very good. Yeah, it was very very good content. I've watched your video that came went out on Thursday night, literally four days ago, and I've never seen for content like it. So <laughs> let me put a bit of context around this, guys. So Will is running uh, started sorry a youtube channel where when he goes away on international duty with nigeria he will do the vlogging like i do on the cycling gk he will show you all the behind the scenes stuff he will show you action from games from training what the lads are like what they get up to travel food absolutely everything but you've got more access than i've ever had true i think you've kind of probably helped me with that because you kind of broke down the barriers the last few months and um, yeah, I have to say, to be fair, I have been inspired by the Cycling GK. I love it. I watched it. You and Tom have done an amazing job of that. And, uh, and Frank and all the other people that are involved. And so much so that I was always asking Ben, like, okay, how's this work? How's this? How's this? How's this? So we always tend to have like a little conversation. Do you know that you were scouted though? Do you know that you were scouted? <laughs> was this a long-term project? Last, last season. And um, Ben always sends the footage over. And then we were, me and Frank were saying... You need to get more of the lads on. You need to get more of the yeah. lads on. And when you did lockdown haircuts, oh, the haircut. right? and you yeah. did a, a haircut for Fozzie, yeah. and we all went, 
Will's really good, you. He's good. Like, Will's like, the best out of the lads. Like, he's just like, I'm upsetting poor Will there, probably. But um, he's the best out of the lads. Like, he's like dead keen and like engaging. And yeah, um, yeah so we kind of marked your card early oh, on. But, yeah. That's good. Match made in heaven. You though. are, though, mate. You are. Like, you're. So, I've, like I say, I've seen the, the video and, yeah. mate. The content is incredible. Yeah, no, to be fair, what you said, the lads make it really easy for me as well. When I went to Nigeria, the first day, everyone's like, Will, are you just like in GK now? That was like kind of what came across. Like, even people that don't even play in England. So that shows where you're at, mate, at the moment. Um, yeah, and, and I was like, yeah, no, I want to do this, guys. And obviously, like, feel free if you want to say anything, whatever. And then within like the first... 24 hours 48 hours next thing I know every time I pulled it out someone was trying to like get their head into really? it the back of it yeah. I couldn't I couldn't believe it watching yeah. some of the footage I, I just couldn't believe it and the that. boys are just amazing yeah they're like so into it receptive and, and like yeah. it's it's obviously a different culture when you go away with a Nigerian yeah. team but you can see when you watch the video what a special country and group of lads yeah, yeah and I feel like that's the one thing that I kind of wanted to bring across because I'm 28 and I'm one of the oldest in the team so a lot of the boys are like 20 on like between 20 24 and for me it's like like a group of superstars is about to like come out of our team and I'm not talking about myself but other players that I'm playing with because we've got like Victor Osimhen last year was sold to Napoli for 80 million wow. euros was like the most expensive player African player of all time 21 years old Five years ago, was selling water in traffic in, in, in Lagos or like five or six years ago. His story is unbelievable. Like I admire the kid and he's my teammate and he's a lethal striker. In the next in the next vlog, can we get a little sit down with him? You're going to get gonna him sit to down? Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to Love this. And, and none of the boys are camera shy. They love it all. Snapchat, dancing, like all of it is like so natural that I'm probably the most like leveled. They call me like the dad of the group sometimes. So it's like... For me to capture it, I wanted to share that with other people and if anything, also capture it for myself because these are like moments and like years I'm never gonna get back. Yeah. So I thought, why don't I just get on here, like share this with people and I just let them be themselves. So I just try and like obviously share as much as I can with you guys. Um, but it's, it is literally just like what the guys get up to normally. So it's day-to-day -day life, what we do in the camp, how we travel, what we eat, what the training's like. Even the teammates of Watford have been asking me, oh, what's the pitches like in Africa? What's it like in when you play for Everyone Nigeria? Wants to know. Everybody wants to know. Do you know, know what? So I, I, like I say, I, the videos I put out, I, we're used to that, aren't we? Yeah. Like, we're used to that. And I, I think a lot of people have seen it and been like, oh, that's what it is. Like, that's the hotels you stay in. That's like the travel, that's the food and stuff like that. I'm watching your video and I'm going, oh my God, look, like they're on the coach, the bit where you're on the coach yeah. and you, you pan the camera to the side. Fans are everywhere. Yeah. They are bonkers, aren't they? Yeah. They are absolutely everywhere. You've got a police escort in front of you just barging people out of yeah. the way, cars <laughs> out of the way. And you're in your coach. You're sat at the front of it, like yeah. the captain's kind of... It's incredible, mate. Like say, you, I say, I honestly don't think there's anybody that could bring as good a behind-the-scenes content vlogged in the style that yeah. you do it as you for this for this new channel and you're yeah, now yes. you've now got world cup qualifiers aren't you so you dip yeah. into your your vlogging world cup qualifiers yeah that's so that's that's what we've been doing now so the the obviously what you guys have just seen with the the first game that was the first game of our campaign for the 2022 qatar world cup uh so we've got those coming up again now in november i uh, sorry in october and in november and then in january we've got afcon which is obviously an amazing tournament last time we got bronze we got to the semi-final lost in the last minutes to get to algeria 
Um, so I want to capture all of that. I want to capture all of that, like I said, for myself, but to share with everyone because I just feel like there's just so many moments of magic. And when I think back in my time of like the World Cup and things like that, I wish I really did it then. Yeah, but, but it was before yeah. the whole yeah. GoPro like time, wasn't it? For you personally, yeah. it's like capturing the diary. It's like yeah. a visual it's diary. Like a, it's yeah. a visual you look diary. Back on what you did, yeah, of course. I wish years. I'd have had some bits yeah. and bobs. But I think so. Right, let me let me just let you all know as well. So the first episode went out a couple of days ago, yep. Thursday. Um, today we're recording this podcast, and then the second one is. Out on Tuesday, maybe. I think, I think but either way, Tuesday. literally within the next within the next week or so, all three parts, stuff, yeah. all three parts of his first international I want to see a World Cup vlog. <laughs> I want right? to see it, mate. And if you need a fan cam. Like at the World Cup, someone with a GoPro, just to bear me in mind. But it's yeah. world yeah, class, you and, mate. You and Dan are gonna have to find yeah, that out. Hundred percent. Yeah, fan cam away. Come on, I want to see that. I'll be Dan's assistant. Yeah, <laughs> I'll carry his back. Oh, you're gonna, be, you're gonna get burnt. You're pasty as you like. You're gonna get proper burnt out there. You are. Um, well, I love it, mate. King of Kong, what an idea, mate. It is going to be, it's going to be belting, mate. It's groundbreaking. Seriously, no one's ever done this before on an international level. I'm buzzing for you, mate. It's going to be massive. World Truce to Kong, thank you for coming in today. That that was how good was that? Brilliant. thoroughly enjoyable mate oh, you thanks, speak mate. so well honestly I'm, oh. I'm buzzing for you mate and your story is incredible so thanks for coming in thanks, um, just quickly can we say about this shirt Will so you are going yeah. you have bought this in today to give this yeah. away okay um, look down that camera there and tell how the, tell the people how no, they can win it that camera that one. okay yeah. that one there sorry so guys you can win this amazing shirt match worn everything by Fo's not gonna like this. You're gonna have to subscribe to King of Kong. That's what yes, you're gonna have to do. Yes, that's what we subscribe want to do. To my new YouTube channel, and then obviously add the podcast. Let everybody know what you thought about this podcast. Any thoughts and anything, any ideas that you have for King of Kong, and um, yeah, you get a chance to win that shirt. So Fo's can choose who you can give it away to, but make sure you follow me, guys. Boom. So that's comment, what comment on the video. Comment on the video. Comment yeah, on the boom. Video. But I'll put a link to um, to Will's King of Kong um, everywhere. YouTube channel literally at the bottom of this video click on it go subscribe we'll pick one new lucky subscriber at random you will win this bad boy um, amazing mate we always finish we didn't oh my god we didn't do any icebreakers today don't worry about it anyway we always oh, yeah. finished we always finish every yeah. uh, Foscast by saying up the Foscast up, up the Foscast <laughs> Up King Kong. Up the yes! Yes. yes. Love it, love mate. It. I love it, mate. Wicked. Baltimore, well done, mate. Get up, get up, right, right.